Hello and welcome to Planning People, the New Model Advisor podcast. The summer is over, conference season is done, and we're back in the studio and ready for some serious chat. Uh, this week it's regulatory technology, or for those of you who prefer the hipster abbreviation, RegTech. Uh, joining me to discuss this is Matt Smith, CEO of SteelEye. Uh, Matt started his career at Aviva Investors and has held posts at RBS, Noble Group, and most recently at Bloomberg, where he was senior product manager in its financial markets regulatory and compliance department. What a mouthful. Uh, he set up RegTech firm SteelEye last year and has just celebrated the business's first birthday. Uh, I am also joined by my colleague Elliot Smith, who reports on regulatory matters for us. And I should just say, we're both quite ill, so if we cough and splutter, do forgive us. Uh, we'll try and push through. Um, hello to you both. Hello. Hi, good morning. Um, so the first thing to say, Matt, is thanks for being here and happy birthday to Steel Eye. Uh, what did you do to mark the occasion? Thank you. Um, well, uh, you know, it's uh, it's been a year. A year goes by really fast. I think uh, for, for us, we, we came in and uh, I said to my sales team, can anybody ring the bell for me for happy birthday, Steel Eye? And sure enough, <laughs> That bell rang during the day, and so I was pretty happy about that. Um, we, we, uh, we, to, to be fair, from a celebratory perspective, we, we got a group of friends together in a pub in Mayfair that we hired out. We had uh, probably about 100 people come through the day, friends, partners, uh, employees. So yeah, it, was, uh, it was just a good day, considering how far we've come in a year. Very nice. Very good to hear. Congratulations. Uh, what do you think has been your sort of biggest operational achievement in the last 12 months? On we're, we're a startup and we're still around, so I'll begin with survival. Okay, um, that's yeah, fair. You, you know, it's, starting a company is never easy. Uh, you know, you, you, you see a lot of new tech companies coming out. The UK, London specifically, seems to be a hub of this innovation. Uh, you've got cryptocurrency and blockchain and reg tech and just kind of standard fintech payments, that type of thing. Uh, I read somewhere recently that 46% of... Um, uh, crypto startups disappear within the first three to four months. I mean, that's an, uh, an amazing statistic, a and it's hard. So, yeah, to, be to begin with, being here is great. But you know, we, we started from from nothing. Uh, you know, although Wednesday gone, October third was our, our first year anniversary since launch. The reality is, the business was was going about six months before that, as we were setting things up. So, we we still have, have moved fast. You know, we we've gone from not having a, a, a client last year to having over 30 now in five countries. Okay. Um, we, we've grown a, a business built off a, a phenomenal product that solves a lot of problems for our, our clients. Um, so I, I, I think just to be able to be here and, and to say, you know, we have an answer, a new answer to, mm -hmm. to old and new problems that um, are, are helping our clients and helping clients every day as they start to come onto our systems is a great thing. And how prominent are businesses like yours in this space? You know, do you do you count yourself among two or three other competitors, or you know, how how many other similar firms are there? Well, so, I, mean, I mean, there's loads of reg tech out there. There's loads of fintech. You know, you break down fintech into these subcategories like reg tech, and then even further beyond that, reg tech gets broken down into endless categories. Uh, we, we took a view of trying to break down some of those traditional barriers of you're bucketed into a category. And it, uh, one, one of my um, uh, annoyances is when you, you look at uh, some of the research groups that will put you in a bucket because they'll, they'll say, okay, SteelEye is a reporting tool, it's a record keeping tool. Yeah. Best the, re the reality is we do lots of things and we do that because we've taken a, a view of focusing on data, not problems first. So when we solve the data problem, we're able to solve these business issues. So we're, we're really a, an answer to, to five or six different regulatory problems that 
financial services face. So when I put myself up against the competitive landscape and you know we went through a fundraising process and you have to say who your competitors are, the reality is we have different vertical competitors. There are a, a very small number of uh, firms out in the market that sell everything we sell, but they tend to sell you five products that they've either built independently or they've acquired and uh, amalgamated. We really have one thing focused on one consolidated data platform, which is very different to what uh, the rest of the market is, is, is offering. And I gather that a lot of your work uh, focuses on MIFID II. We, we saw MIFID II as being the opportunity that allowed Steeleye to, to exist. And, and there's other things around reg regulation, which we'll talk about a bit later, that really also helped fuel Steeleye's existence. But th there was this need in the market where suddenly firms, financial firms in Europe and around the world who were participating in European markets or managing money on, on behalf of European clients, uh, where they had to bring data together for, for record keeping. So they had to store their communications. So that's emails and voice calls and text messages and Reuters messages and Bloomberg's messages. It, it's uh, orders and trades. And, and we took the view that we could help them with that and then solve problems. And because this compelling event was taking place, that's where we focused. When, when we originally um, started to plan the, the business, we did our market sounding, and it was about 8,700 firms had registered with ESMA, the European regulator, as being impacted by MIFID II. So this was you know, uh, two th early 2017. Uh, of those, those firms, 8,000 of those were on the buy side of the market. And that was really important because those firms in the past could lean on the sell side to do that record keeping and mm. the, the reporting. Now they had to do it. And even more important, 7,000 of those firms were less than 50 people. A lot of people look at buy-side firms and you'll look at uh, assets under management or revenue or economic metrics. But you know, the smaller you are as an organization, the, the way you think about how you operate your business is different. Um, you know, a 50-person firm likely will have a compliance officer. A 10-person firm won't. You know, that'll be your IT person, which is probably a trader or an operations person or yeah. a finance person who's doing all these different roles. Including so, the GDPR data officer. The GDPR well. data officer, <laughs> for sure. Have, have you noticed a, a sort of sharpening of focus at all since the MIFID II implementation as firms sort of realize what their, their potential shortcomings might be um, in, in the regulator's eyes? Um, yeah, I, I, it's, it's a great question, right? Because everybody last year rushed to, to do the things they needed to do to conform. Sure. Um, the first thing I, I, I saw people focusing on was reporting, and that's because the regulators like the FCA, the National Competent Authorities, uh, went around and said, that is the place we're not going to forgive you, and you've got to get your reporting right. So everybody around this time last year was rushing and finding vendors and approved reporting mechanisms and uh, APAs and and getting themselves in, in order, they they, uh, they tended to buy what was there, right? So there's a lot of traditional vendors that were offering uh, technology and, you know, sure, I mean, there's okay technology coming from these vendors, but that was all you had. Uh, and um, then the, the year kind of went on and we got to around June time frame and leading up to June, best execution was about to come in, so you suddenly had to do your your 28 top five, RTS 28 top five venue reports, you had your 27 reports coming out, September being the last time uh, you were required to publish those, and, and, and people were looking for answers. Um, again, in that space, you know, a lot of the traditional vendors would be selling transactional cost analytic tools, which are great. You know, they're, they're very detailed, but they're overkill for a lot of what the financial firms need. Um, but, you know, they're, they're great things to have. Um, and, and even then, I think people spent a lot of time just making quick decisions and not thinking strategically. 
Uh, January 3rd, literally on the day, um, in the morning, I, I was speaking to journalists at Thomson Reuters, and you're speaking about a few things, and then right after that, I was with uh, a tier one European bank and walked into the office, and to my surprise, they said, the reason you're here is we spent the last few years rushing to conform. We're now going to take our time and get it right, and we're looking at different things. Now, I, I, if, if anyone there has heard me speak at uh, events, you know, I, I regularly will say I love regulation, and it's not that I really love regulation. Uh, I, I, I love what regulation has done, and what regulation has done has it has fueled the, um, the 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 innovation that has just been sat there ready to happen. Mm -hmm. uh, the the ability for firms like SteelEye to exist today didn't exist five years ago. Mm. I couldn't have started SteelEye five years ago. We're, 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 for our clients, we're supporting some of their most sensitive data. This is how they interact. These are people talking, yeah. emailing, communicating, transactions, CRM data, information on your clients. And five years ago, the thought of giving that to a startup was just not a non-starter. But today, startups can do more than what actually a lot of the traditional players can do. We use technology that's more secure, it's more scalable, it's more performant, we can look at data in ways that a lot of these firms would just be completely, the tech firms would be completely envious of because we started from a blank sheet using the best technology available. We have the best security. We've got the best data uh, uh, platforms and search platforms. So, so it's fueled this acceptance for, for innovation. And as a result, there's a lot of great stuff coming out. Now, the market is saturated. I realize for, for you out in the market who are looking at this stuff, you're, you're, you're bombarded. You're trying to make sense of what's real, what's going to be here in five years, what isn't, and, and you kind of have to work through some of that. And I think re realistically over the next year, two years, you'll see a consolidation as those who didn't really offer meaningful services drop out. Uh, some, of, some of us will, will join together and form stronger businesses. Some of us will get acquired by those traditional mm. players, God forbid, I hope. That's not something that happens to SteelEye. Um, but, we'll uh, hold you to that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was just going to ask whether the sort of fear of regulation, you talk about overkill, you know, whether that's uh, completely misplaced. I mean, it seems like that's what you're saying. I was just at an event this week about cryptocurrency yeah. where the opposition to the idea of regulating crypto, um, and we're already hearing little waves of intent from people like the Treasury Select Committee on this. It's yeah. been described as a Wild West market. Yeah. Um, and then the opposition to regulation was so sort of, I mean, it was boring, you know, the same old, uh, broken record, oh, we hate regulation. It seems to me that they're really missing a trick here, people opposed to it, because the beauty of this stuff is that you can regulate your firm and you can be compliant without having to worry about it as much, without the paper, without that you can, you can sit down and get on with things and know that because of the data and because of the security that it's all going to work. Well, I mean, there's two things to, to touch on in, in your comment there. One is specific to uh, crypto. And, and the other is just regulation in general and uh, as financial firms participating in the market, the fear of regulation. Uh, crypto, and, and, so if you're at an event, you're hearing anybody who's offering crypto services or trying to build a crypto business being um, against regulation, mark my words, in five years at the latest, they won't be here. Uh, and those, those ones that will be here will be the ones that embrace regulation. It is the Wild West, and it is the Wild West because it's un, unregulated and uh, it's unknown. And, and it's not, uh, we don't 
offer services today and specifically in the crypto business, so I'm not saying this as a, a sales pitch. It's, mm. you, you cannot continue to have a, a, a trading environment that is as unmanaged as it is as a whole as the crypto world right now and think it's going to be sustainable. Mm. When, it, when, when it becomes regulated, when the regulators step in and put boundaries, the volatility will drop off. So the ones that are afraid of it, they might be there thinking I'm making money on all this ridiculous volatility as uh, a mode of waves drives prices up and down and I can trade on, on either side of it. Uh, traders love volatility, right? Because there's a lot of opportunity to make money. There's also a lot of opportunity to lose money. Um, um, but when it's regulated, that volatility will be reduced, but it will be stable. A and when you look at things that you don't really understand what backs it, um, it's very difficult to understand how you drive that stability. You know, you get a lot of discussion about kind of federal currencies versus kind of cryptocurrencies and why is a federal currency more secure. Well, I mean, the reality is there, there is a government behind it. There's somebody there. Whether, whether you know, there's gold in the bank or not, that's a different thing. Um, so so I, I think in, in the crypto world, when, when we start seeing regulation, I, that'll be the first time I ever start to have a lot of confidence that the future of crypto will, will be there and, and it'll be a, a place where... Uh, the markets really start to embrace it. Um, and, and I think a lot of the, the kind of Wild West stuff will start to disappear and you'll have really sustainable, stable businesses that will be there to support that, that, that environment. Now, now, in terms of kind of financial firms who are regulated, I know it is a pain to have to conform to regulation. It costs money. It's a distraction. Uh, it's, uh, it's something that takes your resources. You're not focusing on your core business. Um, now, these regulations are, are in place for a reason, right? And, and that is for wh whether it's um, uh, the financial crisis, of which we've had many over, over the years, uh, or just for, for good governance. You know, these, these things do need to be in place. Yes, I absolutely agree. Um, some of these regulations go way too far. You know, I, I believe in common sense regulation, which is, you know, yes, you need to be able to prove how you did something and keep records of things. That's just common sense. Uh, you know, but some, some of the other things that where you start getting into the actual depth of market infrastructure, okay, that, they, they, they may be going a bit too far. Um, for, for firms that are trying to meet things like Mifid or Dodd-Frank, you can do this without spending a fortune. A, a, and if you think about it in the right way, actually there's opportunity in it for you. Uh, you know, you, you need to clean up your house. And the amount of clients that we've got, right, so we, we go in and, and we start helping them bring all this data together. And as you start to do it, there's a lot of frustrations, like, why do I need to do this? And then they realize they're missing data, or the data's wrong in their systems. Uh, you know, RTS um, uh, 28, this is publishing your, your top five venues. You know, we, we've had clients that actually looked at the report that came out of our system the day it was produced, and this was only a few months ago when these things had to be produced, and they said, there's no way we can publish this on... on on the internet, our clients will go crazy. And it's not that they were doing anything wrong, it was just the way they traded looked odd because they're trading through other entities of their own firm. So it looked like the, all their business was being done with themselves. The reality, it wasn't. It was just they were going through another entity. And it was, uh, but, but in the end, they actually changed their business activities, their trading behaviors, to look better to the market. And now they're using those reports as a competitive advantage. They're putting it out and they're actually saying, check us out. Yeah, look how good we are. And look how we execute and the performance and they're using the data that they brought together. And, and before 
this regulation, there's no way they would have had that data come out in a way that they could have actually used. So th there's, there's value in it. We, we really believe in the commercial opportunity that hides, operational efficiencies that hides within, within this data. Um, you know, we, we, uh, we trademarked a tagline, don't just comply, compete, because we actually believe that if you can do the things you need to do to do the, the core of what you have to for regulatory conformity, that actually there is opportunity for you to be more efficient in competition. Mm. Elliot, you had a question. Uh, I feel like you had a question a few minutes ago that I slightly cut you off on. Oh yeah, no, it was just uh, it was it was when we were talking about the um, the actual reg tech industry and how it might sort of consolidate or expand and and um, so sort of one projection that was the the global emerging reg tech industry is is projected to grow to 120 billion dollars by 2020. I mean, do you do you see that as as accurate, or do you think it could go beyond that now? I, I've, see, I've seen those numbers. You know, there's a lot of uh, research firms that publish these things. I, I, I can't say for sure is that really what the spend is, but it's a lot. Mm. Um, you know, people are investing a lot of money. You know, part of that I would assume is not just technology. That's personnel and things like that and policy. Uh, but there, there certainly is a lot being spent on technology. Um, I, I kind of look out in the market and see how people buy this stuff. And I, I urge them, at the very least, just to spend a few minutes having a look at some firms like Steeleye, not necessarily Steeleye, but some of these new innovative ways of doing things, because you're suddenly going to realize that actually you're spending way more money than you need to. You've got, mm -hmm. you know, we, 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 as a firm, we really believe in kind of three core principles, and that's number one, help you simplify regulation. All these things you need to do, we make it easier. Not easy, but easier. Uh, we help you consolidate, so why have five or six systems? These are things that, in many cases, you're sticking in a, a data center that you pay for, or maybe it's in cloud, but you've got five, five different vendors you're managing. And then you can save a lot of money, not just by consolidating these things, but by um, just the nature of how new technology is built on less expensive infrastructure. We can sell software for cheaper than most of the traditional guys, because my overheads are so much lower. Um, so, so, you know, there, there are, are different ways to look at it. The, the world itself, you know, when it comes to reg tech, is looking at London. You know, we, are, we are the epicenter of a movement of innovation in, in technology around financial markets right now. And, and it's right here. It's in this city. And, and as you look around uh, the market, you see these firms, you know, it's, it's exciting because I, I think everything that's coming out of here, that this, this is actually a seismic shift in terms of technical evolution. And not just for regulation, because what we actually are building, because you as a market are allowing us to, because you're embracing what we're offering, uh, will change things far beyond financial markets in terms of technical capabilities. Things from financial markets regulation will come out and you will find them in healthcare and pharmaceuticals and uh, the automotive industry. Th these things will come out and go elsewhere because they are good. Uh, you know, and, and certainly, you know, we, we look at deep data, the things that we do here, it can be applied anywhere. Now, yes, we're, we're here for you guys in the financial markets and we're, we're solving problems here, but it, it, it's pretty neat. London, uh, the epicenter of all of this activity. We have to discuss Brexit um, in that context. Um, what are your thoughts on Brexit? What's going on and what could the potential impact of a kind of no deal scenario be on, on all of this? Yeah, well, I mean, I'll keep my, my personal Brexit views to, to one side. Oh, that's a shame. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, you know, I, I, I've been asked this a lot, and, you know, even in our early days as we were out raising money uh, to, to start the business, you know, the, the, the venture firms would ask us, well, what's your view on, on Brexit? And my, my response back then was, 
Well, I don't, I don't think it's anything, right? Because I, I kind of look at, uh, if, if we just took one regulation, which is MIFID, and you know, we're here for Don Frank and Amir and all these other things. But if you take MIFID, the, the reality is, if you participate in the European markets, so you're, you're trading on a European vo venue like Deutsche Börse, or if you're managing money for European clients, you're regulated. It doesn't matter if you're in Australia, New York, Chicago, Sao Paulo, you know, wherever you are, you're, you're regulated. So you have to do these things. Um, so I would say, you know, A, that's the case. Number, number two, let's look at London, where, where, you know, it's the biggest financial market in Europe. Let's look here. If, if the regulators in Europe, if the government in, in the, sorry, the regulators in the UK, the government in the UK started to deregulate to attract competition to, to, to London, what do you think that's going to have in terms of an effect on um, Brexit talks? And, and, and the reality is it would not be good, right, because the U European states and uh, the regulators would look at that as just, you know, a, a, a complete shift in a direction that would make them very uncomfortable and that would do things like cause issues, absolutely issues around passporting and all these other things that we have to do. Uh, but then recently, as we start getting closer to what is, my view, very likely going to be a reality, which is a no deal or not a great deal, Mm -hmm. um, then, uh, you know, you, you see politicians now coming out and starting to use this for their own personal interests or the, the interests of their party uh, and, and saying, we'll deregulate or we'll cut back on some of this. Like, we don't have to listen to European regulators. They've gone too far. And, and the, the reality is most of the European regulation has at, at the very least been supported by, by the UK, but in, in most and many instances have actually been driven from us. We put that in place because we are a huge financial market that needs to be controlled. Mm. These regulations are, are not uh, foolish for the most part. You know, the need to be able to report uh, your commercial activities, well, that's reasonable. Uh, the, keep good records, I mean, come on. This is, this is common sense. Uh, th there are other things, I, I get it, like some of the research stuff, I, 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 yeah, I mean, uh, we won't go there. There's a lot, lots of different dimensions around that. Um, but when, when I start hearing politicians say things like that and, and meaning it, um, it worries me. Because I, I think the impact is actually potentially even bigger than just financial markets regulation if we start demonstrating those types of behaviors to uh, uh, the European Parliament. It sounds like you don't have a great deal of confidence in politicians at the moment. I mean, just how clued up are they about reg tech and uh, all of this innovation that's going on? Um, so so I, I, I'm very proud that the, the Financial Conduct Authority is our regulator. I, I think they're, they're one of the leaders on the planet, mm. um, but they, they are a, 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 not a well-funded body. Um, they do what they can. Uh, it's a huge market, and they've got to oversee a lot. And um, I, I, th I think they struggle. You know, they're, they're doing what they can. Um, I think the stuff they're doing around the, uh, the sandbox about letting um, tech companies come in and kind of work with them to prove things that will add value to the market is good. I don't think it goes far enough, and that's probably largely because the resources that they have limit them. Um, I, there was a, a consultation paper that came out recently, which um, some of you may or may not have seen, which was uh, looking at a global sandbox, so working with global regulators. Mm. Um, I, I sat on a, a panel with the CEO of the regulator, and I, th I think it was um, uh, Dubai or, or one of those states, and you know, they, they were mimicking what was being done out of the FCA sandbox. And, and those, those are great things, and, and we should keep doing them. Um, I, I still think that there should be more done to support the early stage startups. It's, you know, it's easier for me as a, 
uh, a firm to work with the FCA if I have a big name next to me. So, you know, I walk in with a tier one bank saying, I'm working with these guys, you're in the door. Whereas when we come in and say, hey, we've got a, a new way of looking at things that can change how the markets solve problems, that's great. But the, re the regulators are looking at things like cryptocurrencies, right? So suddenly they have this wild west. So, you know, they, they're kind of forgetting about some of these other things. And, you know, we, we heard a lot that uh, as we led up into um, the MIFID regulation coming into effect, the, uh, the, the UK regulator, the sandbox, was, was saying, well, we're more interested in looking at this cryptocurrency because this is just something we don't have control over than MIFID, which is coming and there's lots of you solving the problems out there. But, but the reality is there weren't many people coming up with new ways of solving the problems. So what it meant was it was very complicated and, and expensive. Uh, for financial firms to, to solve the problems, where if the, the FCA and other regulators were at ESMA were actively supporting firms like SteelEye, we could have moved quicker, we could have got better recognition, and we could have helped companies save a lot of money and simplify some of these problems had they have embraced us better. And I, I don't feel they did, although they, they tried to, uh, just, you know, and I get it, you know, uh, there, there are constraints uh, that, that they're, they're faced with. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we continue to, to work with the regulators here and, and try to find ways to help them. The, the other side is if they look at it really in a smart way, what we do can actually help the regulator. They get given all kinds of data. So, you know, the financial markets send it to them. They, they, they don't have great capabilities of going through all this stuff. We work with huge billions and billions of records of data that they could use our platform to analyze and surface things. Where now they just have the data and you know, if there's an issue, the first port of call for them is to go back to you and ask for your information. Well, in many cases they already have a lot of it, so why can't they just use the data they've got? Yeah. Uh, and we can help them with that if they, if they were to spend some time with us. But. Just on the sandbox, I was hearing um, from certain lobbyists in the tech space that they think it'd be better if the FCA or the government sort of lowered its uh, sort of requir entry requirements for consideration in the, in the sandbox to sort of let more uh, startups in, to let people innovate more. What are your thoughts on that? Is that, is that, is that a risk? A year ago I would have said absolutely and um, that was just because I could have really used that type of help back then and you know it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of hard for me on one hand to say that and then a year later be like well actually you know the, the risk that they've got is just a lot of people are in there playing and don't have sustainable businesses. Mm. And, and then they spend a lot of time with them and the actual output, the value to the market doesn't come out. And, and you know, I, I always knew and believed that CLI was a, a sustainable business. We had great funding and you know, we knew where we were going, but they didn't know that, right? Um, and it's easy now, I can go back and, and say that now that we've kind of proven our, our path. Um, the reality is, you know, they, they do need to be careful that they don't get bogged down with just anybody with a good idea coming in and taking up their time. They need to be careful. And I get it's a hard decision for them to work through what's real, what isn't, what has future, what doesn't. Um, so in, in some ways, yes, they, they need to make the criteria easier. But I think that's less about um, just saying, you know, come in and play. It's more about um, uh, how do they assess those who don't have the big bank next to them mm. or don't have... Uh, the word blockchain next to them mm -hmm. that are bringing new answers and how do they go through that and, and find those golden nuggets that will actually help the market because they have an obligation to make this stuff less expensive and easier for the market. Absolutely. Um, just talking globally, I mean you mentioned Dubai, you mentioned sort of global co cooperation. 
Um, we've talked about London uh, as this epicentre of uh, innovation. Are there any examples of red tech globally in other countries that you think you know that really inspires me? What they're doing in you know in Australia or what they're doing in India is really really interesting. Um, I, well, in, in in Europe, you see a lot. So yeah, you know, you've you've got companies like Skila, and there's some great stuff coming out of Norway and some of the Scandinavian countries, uh, which, which I, I think is fascinating because you know they they bring quite a cool way of looking at at technologies, which re resonates well with me in terms of how we look at things. Mm. Um, uh, you, you hear of things out, out of Australia, but it, it tends to be kind of out of reach and you know how much of it gets over here, I don't know. There's a lot going on in, in Asia, right? So out of Singapore and Hong Kong, you know, there's a lot of, of stuff and that, that's beyond just reg tech, that's kind of going into payments and things like that. A lot of people doing things, where that goes, I, I don't know. Um, what, what we see is a lot of the, the regulators around the world also looking to, um, to, to, to Europe as kind of a template. You know, I, a few years ago I was with IROC in Canada and they were talking about how they, they were looking at Dodd-Frank as the template. This was before MIFID II came out. I mean, my guess is now they're looking at MIFID II as that template and you see that with, with Mass and HKMA and uh, other regulators. Um, but, but, you know, with a, a great deal of um, being proud, I, I think the UK, London, is, is the home of reg tech, and I think it will be for some time. I think uh, what's happening here is cool. And, and you see that, you know, you, you speak to private equity in, in New York and Chicago, Boston, Washington, VCs out there. They, they all want to be here. They want to be putting money into UK fintech. Now, that's another reason why the UK government should be doing more to support us. Mm. You know, it, uh, recently we, we applied for a grant through Innovate UK, and sorry to, to all those at Innovate UK who I'm calling out on this, but right before the grant was uh, to go through um, uh, for the applications, uh, the government came out and said, if you're in FinTech in, in London, don't bother applying because we're just not interested. We've put money in that before. Now, these grants are here to help firms like Steeleye create jobs and mm. fuel economies. This is an economy. We've got a great fintech market here that the world is looking at and wanting to put money in. Now, uh, part of the argument is, well, get the money from the, the private industry. Well, it's not, not always that easy. And you know, we can move more, and it creates jobs, and it creates and fuels that, that, that whole industry that we've got and we should be proud of. So I encourage the government to do more to support us and, and help us grow these businesses. There can be some real powerhouses in the tech space coming out of London mm -hmm. if the government doesn't... Uh, screw it up by not getting behind us, right? Mm, that's very interesting. Any more for any more, Elliot? Um, I was just going to come back to the, <coughs> the deal that you did with the London Stock Exchange, um, which would be coming up to a year ago now. And how, how did that come about and what's the, the nature of that? Well, that, that's a partnership. So we work with uh, the London Stock Exchange Univista Group. They're uh, an approved publication arrangement and arm, and you know, we, we use them as an arm. Um, and uh, so we, our clients feed data through to them. And, um, you know, in, in many ways you find yourself with firms like the LSE as a competitor and a partner, and we, we see this all over the place just given the breadth of our offering. Uh, we, we really enjoy working with them. They've got a great partner scheme, very supportive of uh, the, the fintech spaces, which, which they should be proud of uh, and do, do a good job there. Uh, but we, we partner with lots of firms. You know, we're, we're a big believer in working with everybody and anybody who brings value to the market and helps us solve problems for our clients. Uh, we try to be as agnostic as we can, although we want to work closely with people. That doesn't mean 
Uh, that's the only one, you know, we do work and partner with many of the other arms out there and, and we'll continue to. I think that's a great <coughs> note on which to end. Um, thanks to Matt for joining us. Thank it's you. been really, really interesting talking to you. Um, if, you've enjoyed, if you've enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, then check out our back catalogue online. Uh, just click on the advice tab on our new website. Alert, alert, new website. And it's at the bottom of the drop down menu. Uh, subscribe on iTunes and if you're feeling really kind, leave us a review. So until next time, it's thanks and goodbye.